You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Welcome in to the press box. We're having some issues this morning, as you can tell. But Adam, are you there? Nope. Still do not have Adam Candy. That's okay. Good start to the show. Well, some issues this morning, but we will get into Robin Leonard this morning. He was on a podcast earlier in the week. Adam, are you there now? Tyler. Oh, Tyler. You can hear me. Tyler. What's up, Adam? We're always having issues. I feel like you and I are always having issues. We need a, we need a therapist. A therapist? I don't like therapy. Therapy's no fun. Why would I want to do therapy? Uh, yeah, self-reflection could be really dangerous for you. <laughs> yes. I do not want to analyze myself anymore. Just get it done with and never think about it again. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a much uh, that that's a much safer plan for you. Um, yeah, but I, I I believe I heard you talking about Robin Leonard. Yeah, so Robin Leonard was on the Cam and Strick podcast. Well, he had quite a lot to say, so much so that he apparently got criticized by some people on the internet, or at least he said he did, uh, about complaining about his current contract. So Robin Leonard then went out and tweeted. People who think that in my latest podcast, I was complaining about my salary for the reason of actual money are crazier than my fifth personality on a bender in Amsterdam. It's about that I have better stats than most and get paid less because I'm open about mental health issues. So Robin Leonard's basically saying that he's getting paid less than he deserves, that his numbers as a goalie are better than other goalies but he's getting paid less than them. And it's because he is open. He is honest about the mental health issues that he has. Uh, do, do you believe that to be true? Like, do you believe Robin Leonard should be paid more? And the reason he's not is because he is willing. He is open and talking about his own mental health issues. The fortunate part about this entire conversation, Tyler, is that we have numbers, right? We we can look at how much Robin Leonard makes. We can look at how much Robin Leonard has made and how um, how much other goaltenders have made as well compared to him. So you know, before I go down any of that road, I have just a strong feeling out that you must have some information that you've already compiled here. So over the last three seasons, Robin Leonard is third in the NHL in save percentage among goalies that have played at least 2,000 minutes and third in goals saved above average per minute played, right? He's been a top five, top three goalie. His contract, he's tied for the 11th highest paid goalie in the NHL. So just that on its face, he's not getting the top 10 in pay, but he is in the top three in, in just those two general stats. Yeah, it would it would appear as though he is underpaid. Now, when Robin Leonard was responding to people who replied to this tweet, he brought up a name, Linus Olmark, who is a guy who signed a contract recently and is getting paid the exact same amount as Robin Leonard. So I thought it was interesting to basically look at goalies that have signed contracts either in the same offseason as Robin Leonard or goalies that have signed contracts in the offseason after Robin Leonard signed his five-year, $5 million a year deal with the Golden Knights because the top five paid goalies in the NHL all signed their deals at least a year before Robin Leonard. Like Marc-Andre Fleury signed his deal two years before Robin Leonard. So 
is that a fair comparison when you're looking at is he underpaid based on how guys signed a contract in 2016, 17, or 18? Eh, maybe not the best comparison. But if you look at goalies that have signed more recently than Leonard, uh, Jordan Bennington signed this offseason $6 million a year. He's only 20th in goal saved above average the last three years. Philip Grubauer signed for $5.9 million this past year or this offseason. He's 11th in goal saved above average the last three seasons. Thatcher Dimko, $5 million, same as Leonard. He's 27th in goal saved above average. And Linus Olmark, also $5 million this offseason, 28th in goal saved above average. So those are all the goalies in the last two offseasons that have signed for the same amount or more than Robin Leonard. And Leonard's better than all. All of them. So Robin Leonard, I mean, he absolutely has a point. There are goalies that are getting paid the same or more than him, even recently, that he has outperformed. If you were to sit there and pick apart contracts and when they were signed in any sport, what you're going to find is guys who were paid either at near you and probably a little bit after you as well who are paid better than you and shouldn't be. And that is reality because contracts are not just about past performance. Contracts are about future performance and contracts are about when you signed them and what the market will bear. The same way we sit around and say athletes should get every dollar that they can because they deserve to be able to be paid for their skills. Well, they need to understand that the market means that someone else might get paid more than them as well if they just have a better agent or negotiate the whole thing better. So when you look at average NHL career earnings, the average NHL career lasts five years. A player makes $13.2 million over that. So that you break it down, it's $2.4 million a year over five years is the average NHL career earnings. Robin Lanner over the course of a 10-year career so far, has made $26 million. He's been paid slightly better than the average NHL career earnings. Next year, 48 goaltenders will make less than Robin Leonard. So for him to say that he's being underpaid relative to his performance is one thing. For him to then say he's being paid re under uh, underpaid relative to his mental health issues is a much, much wider gap to try to cross, Tyler. Right, and that is something that we, like, we, we don't know because we don't know how that brought up with teams. I, I will say, like, the idea of contracts being signed when they're signed and other guys getting paid more than you. I think one key point in this is while there are goalies that make more than him, right? Once you get past Marc-Andre Fleury, who is the fourth highest paid goalie, he makes $7 million for one more season. The fifth highest paid goalie in hockey is going to make $6.4 million this season. So for Robin Leonard to be a top five paid goalie, he'd need to be making $6.5 million. So we're talking about $1.5 million. And not to say $1.5 million isn't a lot of money, but it's not as though Robin Leonard is getting paid $2 million and his counterparts with worse numbers are getting paid $12 million, right? There's not a massive $8, $10 million gap. We're talking about, hey, a million, maybe $2 million is what we're, is the conversation we're having here about Robin Leonard. So is he underpaid? Possibly. Is he underpaid because of his mental health? I think that's hard to say when he still is making $5 million and we're talking about other goalies that are making, oh, 5.9 or $6 million. It's like, okay, I maybe, but like you said, maybe it's the agent. Maybe it's just the situation the team was. I mean, hell, when he signed with the Golden Knights, we knew they were in salary cap problems. So any contract they signed that's big, is a massive deal for the organization. So I think there's a lot of that going on. The other part of this 
is is in the NHL and pretty much any of our sports. If you're basing your like salary and saying, hey, I deserve to be paid blank because of other people, you're underestimating how bad a lot of the contracts general managers sign. Like there are a lot of bad decisions, bad contracts that are given out. And that's sort of a you know foolhardy way to assess your own value, your own worth as a goaltender. Without question. And and you make the key point there that it takes two sides to make any one of these deals. And I know that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but again, it's what the market will bear. It's what any individual team will play. And here's, again, this is tricky because Robin Leonard is making a claim for which there is ultimately, there are numbers we can use, but there is no way for us to be able to really parse out uh whether his mental health issues affected how he was negotiated with individually that being said we can look elsewhere in professional sports and we can look at just this off season in a different sport and say there was just a contract signed demar derozan in the sign and trade going to the chicago bulls signed a three-year 85 million dollar contract not the biggest but about right for for what demar derozan would uh, expect to get he tweeted very uh, very notably about depression back in 2018 and sparked a much larger conversation uh, among professional athletes, one that actually came to inspire Kevin Love as someone who would come out and talk about his own depression and anxiety. And really, pretty much at the same time, Kevin Love signed a contract for four years and $120 million. Again, it's slightly apples to oranges in a different sport, but I do think you can look at general managers seeing players with mental health issues and not necessarily being scared off by them or underpaying them based upon those issues. Yeah, I I think as far as what Robin Leonard's getting paid, it's it's always going to be hard for us to make that make any sort of judgment on that. He says it happened. I don't know if that was actually brought up in his contract negotiations. It'd be interesting if it was and to hear Robin Leonard say exactly how that conversation went. But he certainly thinks so. And I think you look at what other goalies are being paid. And there there is a, a rudimentary argument for it. There is some some numbers behind it. Again, it's just hard to say if that actually played into it. All right. We will take a break here. When we come back, we will jump in to the NFL. I mean, when I first ran out, it was kind of like, wow. Like, like a, it was like kind of like a sit back moment. Like, oh, I'm really here now. But once uh, practice started and the, the plays start flying, I mean, I kind of had tunnel vision. I was more focused on. I mean, it was a little loud with the crowd noise and stuff, but um, other than that, I was more focused on like uh, football and practice, uh, the things I had to do. Mike Mayock's going to end up looking like a great drafter here after we get done with the Broncos. So their general manager, George Patton, um, the story Peter King wrote, he apparently thinks that franchise quarterbacks are more common than franchise cornerbacks. His quote quarterbacks are more available more than franchise corners every year, at least the last couple of years. The Broncos this year in the first round drafted Patrick Sertain. Um, They did not draft Justin Fields. He was on the board when the Broncos drafted in the first round. They did not take him. The Bears ended up trading up to get Justin Fields, the quarterback, uh, while the Broncos took the cornerback Patrick Sertain. Um is that the worst evaluation of positional value in NFL history? If it's not, it's close, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine that you could get 
farther off from reality than that. And we have plenty of history to look back at and say, here's what we think, uh, you know, a real success is defined by. And where were those quarterbacks drafted? I'll just use one measure. Um, this report uh, that was done by milehighreport.com. You can guess where that's from. Um <laughs> Quarterbacks drafted in the NFL since 1990, leading up to 2016, if you define success as just a multi-year starter in the NFL, from pick 1 to 16 in the first round, 81% success rate. From pick 17 to 32, it drops to 65. It goes under 50% for anywhere below the second round. So if you're the Broncos and you believe that Patrick Sertan is going to help you become at least a playoff contender, then you're likely going to be picking in the bottom half of the first round. So if you're picking in the bottom half of the first round, you've already reduced the success rate or your chances of hitting on a quarterback by 16%. If you're not going to take one till the second round, you've knocked them down by like 35%. Just because there are quarterbacks in the first round is far, far from guaranteeing the success of any of them. Even if it were true like even if the idea that that quarterbacks franchise quarterbacks were more available than franchise cornerbacks a quarterback just in itself is more valuable than a cornerback like in for anybody to be running a football team and not understand that is bizarre to me even if there were lots of good quarterbacks that position on the field is so much more important than anything else in this sport like there's not even another comparable to how important that position is. So, like, that's ridiculous for, for that to even be a thought of, okay, well, we, we don't need to take a quarterback because there's plenty of them and corners are more rare. Well, even if that's true, you still need the quarterback. And then here's the other part of it. If the Broncos this year, and clearly they have some quarterback issues last year, if the Broncos this year, if they just, they, they didn't like the quarterback class, right? If, they, if in their evaluations, they were like, we don't think these guys are going to be good. We don't think Justin Fields we don't think Mac Jones. We don't think these quarterbacks are going to be good NFL quarterbacks. That's one thing. Like, that's one reason to not take a quarterback. But if their logic truly was, well, we can get a franchise quarterback whenever, so let's take the best cornerback on the market, that is horrific logic. Like, that is unbelievably bad logic. And the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West for the next decade not because of Patrick Mahomes, but because the incompetence of the rest of this division. And if you hear out what George Patton said, it gets a little bit worse because part of what he said as a first-year GM was he felt that he owed it, owed it, to John Elway, who, of course, uh, like the good Lord himself, ascended up from the position of general manager to, I don't know, all-knowing presidents of all-seeing things or something like that in the Denver front office. He said he owed it to John Elway to see it through for another year with Drew Locke, to give Drew Locke another chance considering they invested a second-round pick in him. (laughs) How screwed up is that? How screwed up is the idea that we owe another year to a second-round pick who has shown that he is nothing but a let-it-fly guy? Like, there's no reason to do that. And there's certainly no reason to do that at the expense of picking a cornerback. And just because you pick a cornerback does not mean that cornerback will be good either. Uh, Tyler, not even talking about the positional value. What's the guarantee that Patrick Sertan is any good? We don't have it. We know that first-round cornerbacks, again, uh, another study talking about do they become all pros, do they become pro bowlers, do they become just reasonable starters in the NFL, 
uh, 18 of the 47 first round cornerbacks drafted from 2007 to 2014 at some point made a Pro Bowl. So that is roughly 35%. That is not saying that you got a star. That's just saying you got a guy who can actually play in the league. So uh, I, I, I don't understand how you can evaluate NFL talent and be saying the things that George Patton did. Yeah, like that's that's the part that's incredible to me. Like this isn't this isn't you or me on the radio. Like this is a guy who's running an NFL franchise right now with such a low understanding of of the quarterback position. Like this isn't even like some coach who's been coaching for 3 decades who wants to establish the run because we can, you know, write that away too. Well, that's what everybody thought was the right way to do it in the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands. Like it's not even that we're talking about the quarterback position. Literally the one thing that everybody in this sport can agree on is that that's the most important position, except apparently patent up in Denver. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I'm stunned that somebody is actually that low on how important the quarterback position is. For a football team. And in this division. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I mean, I know that's just adding sort of an, you know, complimentary piece to everything we've talked about. But six times a year, you go against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. And there's a reasonable argument there that Derek Carr, who is an above average NFL quarterback, is the worst of the three. It's... It's a good division for quarterback play with the exception of one team, and that's the team that wants to get another look at Drew Locke. Like, that, that's the problem here is there's a team that wants to get a look at Drew Locke. And uh, meanwhile, like you said, Derek Carr's a very good quarterback, and he might be worse than Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And if, if you're the Broncos, like, both the Broncos and the Raiders might be in this position soon, depending on what they do with Derek Carr. You're potentially looking at a division for, like, five, six, seven years where you're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Like, there's a chance you've got two of the top. I mean, Mahomes is going to be one of the top three every year, and then Herbert, his ceiling's probably top five, probably get there. But you're talking about two top ten quarterbacks in your division every year for the next five, six, seven years, and uh, good luck to Patrick Sertain, I guess. Like, he's got a lot of guys to cover out there. Like, is he going to shut down Tyree Kill this year? Well, here's the scariest part about it if you're a Broncos fan the rest of that roster is really good like this isn't like you've got a terrible franchise up and down this is a Broncos team that is competent quarterback play away from in my opinion making the playoffs look at what they have they're above average just about everywhere on that team other than quarterback I mean, that team is going to bring back Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy as a fantastic receiver duo they were already pretty good in the secondary prior to getting Patrick Sertan. The offensive line is competent. They get Von Miller back. There are a lot of reasons to believe in the Denver Broncos right up until the point where Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater takes the field this year. I also enjoyed this quote in that story from Peter King from Drew Locke. Of course I watched the draft. I was elated when we picked Patrick Sertain. Well, I would be too if my general manager didn't draft somebody to take my job and instead did something dumb and took a cornerback. Yay, party at the lockhouse. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Ed Grady joins us. We'll see how loud the horn is this morning. He's seen a lot of sh and been given a lot of free stuff. Oh, brother. 
All right, back to show and tell. Whether it was scurvy or a padre eating a Snickers bar. Why don't you bring this potato? You're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? Ed Graney is here to show and tell. Are we going to hear a horn in the background today, Ed? Well, you know what? They're late bringing us in, so I'm just standing outside. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Oh, you're just in a parking lot. Double reverse throwback pitches. Uh, throw to fast Mariota down the sideline, and they're practicing. We haven't been let in yet. Wait, 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 wait. You've told us Mariota is big. Are you telling us Mariota's fast too? I believe he's fast too. You know, he's healthy now. The uh, ankle's good. The pectoral's good. Uh, so he's ready to go. He's ready. He's ready. He's fast and he's healthy. So I, I don't. They could be doing stuff in there with him or. I guess that four-string quarterback they called Jesse, who I'm still not sure who he is. <laughs> hey, or where he, hey. Or where he came from. We have the expert. Hey, Ed. he came from the greatest institution three and a half hours southeast of here, Northern Arizona University. Thank you very much, Ed. Wow. Thank I you. I should know that. I should know that. Wait, Adam, uh, give, yeah, yeah, give Ed no the fun fact that. on Case Cookus. Uh, yeah. Case Cookus was once ejected from an FCS game for targeting. As a quarterback? <laughs> you got it. So did he throw a pick and get pissed at somebody? Uh, no, he actually was going out as a lead blocker on a reverse and was flagged for targeting, ejected from the game, and I argued yesterday that that's the only reason Gruden wanted him. Boy, I was going to say, if that's the case with this guy, Nathan Peterman's got to be happy for, uh, for the first time about the guy behind him. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously not happy about the two in front of him, but uh, he might look at that guy and say, this guy's just a blocker. I got a shot to play if Carr and Mariota go down. Yeah, I mean, so, he's, he's the insurance Ed, one, one Just one, one the, quick follow-up, Tyler. Has, has has Cassie Soto been allowed in while you guys are outside? She, I have not seen I don't think she's on today or Heidi. I don't know where anybody is today. Uh, neither of them are here. And what? it's a day where I brought donuts. So you know what? Um, I, I you know I, I sprung this morning with a few extra pennies in my jar, and uh, neither of them showed up. So I don't know what's going on. Today's a weird day. We haven't been let in. There's no cast. You're hiding. I don't know what's going on today. Wait, is there any other media there besides you? Oh no, there's there's okay. media here. It's just not okay. it's just not Heidi or Cassie yet. <laughs> I was hoping you somehow drove to the wrong place this morning and was just wandering around like why no. won't they let <laughs> me in? <laughs> that that's fifty fifty. I have. Well, it took me after last season, after COVID, and we hadn't been back for a while. I did have to text Adam Hill and say, what's the exit again? Uh, so <laughs> once I realized it was Star, then each morning I look for the F on the freeway sign, and that's where I know where I get off. Okay, I need you to let us know what it looks like on the sideline where the media is when Marcus Mariota throws an interception in practice. Uh, yesterday, well, it's funny because yesterday – I'm not sure either of us – oh, we knew Dallin, Le- Dallin Levitt because, well, you know, anyway. Um, so <laughs> the other guy who jumped the route on him, like it wasn't like names that you're like, oh, okay, it's Kwiatkowski who has now intercepted him for the seventh time. I mean, we get that. Um, or even Corey Littleton. It was two dudes who were like, ah, those are bad throws, Marcus, and those are really bad guys to throw to. So we were kind of just standing there by the weight room when he threw the one – and then I didn't see the second one. I didn't see Levitz because I, was, I wrote about him today. I'm like, oh, he threw a pick. And then Willie said, no, he threw two. And I'm like, geez, I, I didn't see the first one. <laughs> so Dallin Levitt must have gotten one, too. But that's five for Marcus this camp. And I will say, though, Carr has thrown a few that, for whatever reason, have been dropped by the defenders. <laughs> so I don't know why. 
but they seem to drop his and Marcus's. They like go pick six and run to the house. Okay, this is so, my favorite conspiracy theory that the yes, defensive yes. players are dropping interceptions yes. so nobody can tweet out that Derek Carr threw a pick. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm all about conspiracy, so I'll throw that out there. I don't. Yesterday, I forget who was, but I mean, he had it in his hands, man. It just like it was stone, like dropped to the ground. I'm like, that was weird. Is, um, wait, wait. Do we think Derek Carr is like paying off the defensive players to drop it? Is this like a coaching well, mandate? Like, where where does the dropped interceptions I mean, come from? Let's just go crazy and take that level. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on out here. Today's <laughs> a, uh, today's a uh, twilight zone day. So yeah, Marcus is uh and that's the funny thing. Like he's throwing picks and everything, but I mean, do you want to go to the next guy? So I mean, you kind of just hope Marcus doesn't keep throwing picks. Because because he, he's had a good camp otherwise. I mean, like they everyone said, man, he looks really good. He's healthy, um, but it's just every day you kind of like see something where like, oh, that throws. So um, we'll have to see. I mean, obviously he's number two. I don't think they're. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the Colts will probably get through a couple weeks to see how healthy Wentz is, and if he can't come back, maybe they do call on him. So Ed, yesterday Gerald McCoy, who hasn't uh, seen any time yet, to talk to the media and puffed up the defense pretty well. Uh, the, this guy can have 10 sacks and that guy can have double digit sacks and yeah. et cetera. Um, are you as confident in, in Gerald McCoy and are, who are we to, to question him if so? Well, I'm as confident in Gerald McCoy. I'm not as confident in everyone he was talking about because obviously Gerald McCoy is kind of proven at a really <laughs> high level. So when he's cleared, I'm confident he'll be good. Uh, he appears to think everyone else is. Uh, someone was Someone was nice with the question like Gerald, I don't know if you saw the numbers last year. It wasn't great. Uh, and then he kind of goes, oh, yeah, I know, I know. And, yeah, I mean, he's not going to rip his team. I mean, he praised him. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think they probably will be improved because, you know, we throw in the numbers out there. I don't know if they could be worse. So they probably will be. And he was great, man. I tell you, I base everything on I like these players or how they are in the media room. And he was, he was tremendous, like beyond good uh, with his answers yesterday. So, yeah, he was fired up about the defense and, um, he's out here. Like, I just don't think he's clear for contact because he does all the drills. I mean, he, he's out there every day doing drills. So I guess he's just not clear for contact yet. So you liked Foster Moreau. You like Gerald McCoy. Are they your top two for talking to the media so far? No, no question. I mean, Foster Moreau, you're going to, it's hard to top the rock, paper, scissors with Vinny and, and, and Levi and saying, go, you know, one, two, three, you know, throw and then deciding who he's going to answer the next question for. But if I go top three, cause I got to give you a third Moreau, McCoy, it's tough. Um, one of those guys brought donuts in. Um, the offensive lineman. I gotta go Carr though, because the thing about and Carr's gonna talk today. The thing about Carr is he just he just fills quote sheets. I mean, a lot of times, like I don't know really what he said, but like if you're just some guys come in like answers like three words and it's like, well, this can be a tough one. But you know, with Carr, like he's like he's automatic. Like he's gonna have a ton of quotes, and you you can usually find something in his four pages of quotes. Like, ah, oh, we can use that, and you can write off that. So Carr has to always be in the top three because you know he's just like a role. I mean, he comes in, he just he knows how what to do. So I'll go Moreau, McCoy, and Carr. Have you been able to decipher yet, Ed? Because this is the question I think that we all have: where Derek Carr's accent comes from? No, that's like the that's like the. Uh, million dollar question and the uh, guys who've been around him his entire career in Oakland and now here why and where it comes from because pretty sure he's a Bakersfield kid right and then he went to Fresno yeah. like like yeah. at no point like would you see somewhere in his past like oh that's where he picked it up so no that's like the guys who've been around him since he came out of Fresno 
that is like their well they have many mysteries about them but that's one mystery they absolutely have never solved as to where that comes from see now i'm curious what do his brothers sound like well david's on nfl network i don't know how much i've listened to him though and i've never i don't think i've ever heard darren talk um i don't know if you can pick up accents on twitter so uh and certain he's ones you sure half, can block half the people in the media rooms i mean um I can't. I don't know if David. I can't remember listening to David thinking they sounded alike. Uh, so I don't know, man. Derek, Derek's got a special voice, I guess. A special voice. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> did you? Did you guys watch Hard Knocks? I want to get your opinion. I did not watch Hard Knocks. God, I was so disappointed as a Cowboy fan. What were you disappointed in? So boring. When when a, when an entire I show is based you. on Zeke. When an entire show is based on Zeke Elliott rapping a present, even though I could feel his pain because i'm horrible at wrapping stuff like if i have to wrap a tiny box it takes me like three three things of wrapping paper but it was just it was too much football there wasn't enough like off the field craziness there was no one riding horses and meadows like there was no craziness i was blindly disappointed last night it was horrible so you're saying the best part of hard knocks was ezekiel elliott wrapping a present oh yeah he was he was wrapping this gift that he got for dak because i guess they're best friends and they exchange gifts every year for their birthdays and it was a, it's a pretty big box. It ended up being a carrying case for when they're on the road, which looked like it set them back, I don't know, 10 grand. It was like the nicest carrying case that anyone ever saw. But he tried to wrap the box, and it was just – it was like all of us who can't wrap, where you're like, you know, putting paper one way and another way and using like 10 things of tape. And I mean, it was a disaster, but I felt bad for him because that's me. But other than that, it was like a lot about Dak's shoulder and, you know, Dak's ankle and like – playing and stuff. There's just nothing to it. I was, very, I was highly disappointed as a Cowboy fan. No Antonio Brown burned and frozen no. feet. Oh, no. No hot no. air balloon for Antonio Brown. No, it was it was bad. It was really bad. Would Ezekiel Elliott come to training camp on a hot air balloon? I would think if anyone would, it's him. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a big year for him because the other thing about Zeke last night, he no longer, he said, is going to have a cutoff shirt with his stomach showing. Oh, he's now got like he's now got like sweatshirts underneath underneath his uh, shirt, like I which I don't know what that means, but he appears to think that that's like going to make him a better player. And even McCarthy made a comment about it. He goes, "Oh, you got a sweatshirt under there." So, as a Cowboy fan, I'm certainly hoping that keeps him healthy. The sweatshirt where we don't, you know, where he, his stomach isn't showing. You know who would be bad for hard knocks? Jason Witten. Yeah, well, he's just not. I mean, you know, not much too big wit except being a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's not gonna like. He's not going to make any jokes or anything like that. Yeah, Big Wit, uh, Big Wit wouldn't be great. Like my wife and I base everything on my wife and daughter who have watched literally every episode of every Hard Knocks ever since they started watching, and they were just incredibly disappointed, just ripping it, horrible. So let's we'll see if it gets better. Do we need to have them on to review it for us? If they've watched every, they've watched every single episode of Hard Knocks. Since they started watching it, they love it. They think it's like it's one of their favorite shows. In fact, they didn't realize. I mean, I have to tell them it's starting each year. Like, they don't keep up with that. But last night, I'm like, oh, first episode. And they're like, oh, let's watch it. Let's watch it. And then, like, halfway through, like, the wife, God, your team's boring. This is horrible. <laughs> like, this is a terrible episode. I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, they, uh, they weren't happy with it at all. And if they're not happy, then it's not good because they take the – entertainment value. I don't really care about the football value, but the entertainment value they like, and there was just none of it. Well, I would rather watch what I'm now understanding on Twitter, and I don't know what the hell this means, 
fake chicken races. Yeah, let's go. And I have no idea what this nonsense oh, is. Yes, no. just wait till you find out about the chickens, Ed. The chickens are great. Uh, they can fight what? each other, kind of. Is this, is this, it sounds like it's really, really creative. So it sounds like Jared came up with it. No, Jared did not come up with it. Um, no, it's an offshoot of Tyler's stupid fake horses. Yeah. This is really dangerous, Ed. Be careful if you're going to go down this road. Okay, wait a minute, though. Is this real or did you guys make this up? No, it's real. There's going to be chicken races, just like there's horse races. Oh, my God. Don't tell Starkus. He'll have 10 chickens in his coop before the, before the show's over. Well, we have 14. Oh. You, you're now paying money for this? Yeah, of course. We're gonna be we're we're gonna be rich if the chickens are half as popular as the horses. We're gonna be really rich because we're we're in at the beginning of the chickens. The horses the horses had been around for like a year before we got in on the horses, but the chickens we got in at the first day. So we're gonna be really rich if this is successful. Is it the same company or people who did the horses? No, or different people? people. Different people. So they got smart. They're like, all right, these people make them a bunch of money. We're gonna do it with chickens. That's right. Do it with chickens and give them wow. weapons, and and it'll be fun. I saw that on, I think Steven from Australia tweeted, like, oh, God, what are they doing on that show now? Jared's got weird chicken races, and they're poking at each other. I, th- I thought for sure this was a Jared creation. He's a creative guy. No, no, this is real, and I have 14 of them, and we are going to be rolling very soon in chickens. I think uh, October is when races are supposed to start. Well, it's like your first one, fake chicken. Well, we haven't go gotten we, ha- we haven't gotten a name them yet. They haven't. They're like, still eggs. Yeah, they haven't opened up. Like they, they, it's uh, in the it's in the very early processes. We own the chickens. Nothing else really exists at the moment. But so they're just chickens God. with numbers. Jesus, <laughs> what a life! My goodness. <laughs> I mean, I don't often feel my life's better than people, but like the more this goes on i'm like you know what i don't have that battle likes no chickens are way better than anything else i'm doing all right ed uh i hope you get into practice i hope you're at the right building we uh we're here and the uh the guys just started walking out so uh yeah we're here and uh, we'll see what happens today all right we'll talk to you all tomorrow right. ed see you guys see you oh, ed's excited about the chickens i'm glad he thought that was a joke when in reality it's real like he thought jared it's, just came up with fake, fake chickens it's yeah. not real yeah all right coming up next I think I've been convinced not to watch Ted Lasso. Sophie Cortez looking for Susie Bernal. Bernal crosses it in front. Lily Cinder! And UNLV goes back atop the Mountain West standings as Cinder has her 11th goal of the season. And UNLV will be playing for a Mountain West title on Friday in Reno. That was a great dish off, getting three passes in and out all the way across, and they got the ball all the way to Cinder. And once again, she capitalized and make opportunities worthwhile. Back of the net. What a great call. Arguably the greatest call in the history of soccer play-by-play. Right now, over on our sister station, Raider Nation Radio, you can submit a one-minute audition to be on air on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. Uh, you need to go to lvsportsnetwork.com to submit a one-minute uh, audition between now and August 20th. Uh, they might play that on air. And then starting on August 21st, uh, voting will open where people will get to vote on who has the best one. Ultimately, there will be a grand prize. And that grand prize, A, you get to be on air, but also a new flat-screen TV, home and away Raiders jerseys, a Raider Nation light-up sign, and a two-foot classic sub from Porta Subs every week 
during the NFL regular season. So again, lvsportsnetwork.com. Find the A Star is Born, brought to you by Finley Volvo or Finley Valley Auto Mall. Uh, A Star is Born logo. Click on that and you can submit your own file, uh, audition, I should say, to win there. So can can I. Can you audition? Can I get in on this? Yeah. You want I, I'm just CD? trying to find a way away from, from, from you guys. Is that, am, I, am I eligible? Uh, if you are willing to give me the TV and Jared the Porta Subs. No, see, the, no, the sandwich is what I'm in this for. <laughs> um, I did want to get to this, too, because Adam Schefter just tweeted, Colts quarterback Carson Wentz and guard Quentin Nelson are trending toward being available for Indianapolis's regular season opener against the Seattle Seahawks. So Carson Wentz is a five to 12 week timeline on his injury, which I think it, what was it could have missed the first eight weeks of the season at the high end of that. But it apparently sounds like he might be ready to go for week one and the Colt. Well, I wouldn't say the quarterback problems are fixed, but the Colts might have the quarterback they got in the off season ready to go for week one, regardless. Yeah. I mean, all well and good. I guess when we say trending toward available right like the five weeks was picked out very carefully to be the front end because that put them to week one um but again we've talked about these two injuries before the same injury to two different players it is a pain management issue and we'll see Uh, that i would not say it's a linear thing necessarily but good for the colts did anyone else actually see what sam ellinger looks like because he looks like Andrew Luck reincarnated. A little more hair. He has more hair than Andrew A little Luck? more hair. That can't be possible. Well, he's younger, so it's going to, you know, it's going to fade as Does it goes. Does he have a neck beard? It, the beard isn't great. The beard isn't great. Okay. It, they showed him, and I was like, whoa, Andrew Luck's back? Isn't he a lot shorter than Andrew Luck? I okay. All of all I saw was talking to the media. They got it. They like got he a... was talking with media people, so his height was mm, he was taller than them. <laughs> they got a shorter, hairier version of Andrew Luck, is what you're telling me? Yeah, and that's why he's splitting first team reps. <laughs> They're very confused. They're like, "Oh, Andrew Luck's back. Give him some snaps." All right, you two love t- uh, Ted Lasso. Everybody loves Ted Lasso. No, that is not accurate. It had like um, 22 Emmy nominations. Sarah Manavis of the News Statesman, she wrote a story. The, the what now? The News Statesman over in England. She wrote a story. Oh, over in England. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why Ted Lasso is the most overrated show on TV. So why should I listen to you two over Sarah Manavis? So I uh, I went and did a little deep dive on on Sarah because oh, we are, we the are... message is only as good good as the author, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I, I found Sarah's Twitter, and Sarah's Twitter basically consists of two things. Her retweeting people praising her writing. Yay. Um, and then mostly, mostly her likes and her tweets are all about the British reality TV show, Love Island, uh, which if you're wondering what is Love Island, you can go down this rabbit hole on, I don't know if it's Netflix or Amazon prime, but feel free to do so. If you think the bachelor and the bachelorette are shallow, watch a little Love Island at some point and feel your brain cells wasting away. So all of this is to say If Love Island is her taste in TV, 
I don't really care what she thinks yeah, of Ted she, Lasso. She, yeah, Ted Lasso may be a little bit too out of her like intelligence range. Is Love whoa, Island? Whoa, whoa! Is Love you? You let him there, Adam. Don't act surprised. Is Love Island better or worse than that news show where they dress them up in like cosmetic like movie faces, like their animal faces, and make them go on dates? Uh, what is that called? Sexy Beasts? I yes, think? yes, that is what it's I don't called. know, but I have that saved in my Netflix list because <laughs> I'm very excited to see how they do this. My only problem with the Sexy Beast show, because the idea is, hey, fall in love with this person on a date without seeing if they're attractive or not. I guarantee everybody in that show is attractive. There's not a single person on that show that's going to actually be ugly. Sarah will love it.